But right now, though, we have our friend, the man who's always ready. He is a teacher at Cal State Northridge. <laughs> He's a professor. He's an activist. You know him from the reparations movement. And he is our friend and correspondent on this show. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's in retrograde. It's I think it might be real speeding retrograde. up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, anyway, we're talking about Dr. David Horn. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Good morning, morning Dominique. Good morning to the entire Front Page family. Been hearing great the things. Wednesday. Yes, it is. Been hearing great things about your conference. How is everybody? Everybody is good. Been hearing great things about your political conference this past weekend. Um, building a black voice and black power clout here in the state of California. Tell us about it and what's next. We are, we were very fortunate. Um, and again, we thank Front Page. We thank the Our Weekly newspaper for being the... Um, the media voice for pushing this whole enterprise. The Council of Black Political Organizations that grew out of that whole exercise in trying to come up with a black agenda and trying to come up with a uh, clear way forward instead of just simply saying that we wanted to do something and we wanted to change or we wanted the paradigm to, to be flipped uh, we actually did something instead of just talking about doing something. So the Kabul calls this party, Kabul called this meeting, this conference, and um, a number of people showed up. Um, former U.S. Congressman, the first and only black lieutenant governor we've had, former member of the State Assembly and the State Senate, Mervyn Donnelly, whose idea actually was to have the conference, came and gave us a very, very good rendition of, this is what used to work. This is how we got as far as we have gotten. So he talked about Gus Hawkins, he talked about Fred Roberts, he talked about uh, Ron Dellums, he talked about how they had been able to move forward in an environment in which there were sometimes only one, maybe two black elected officials, but they still got stuff done for the African-American community, like the fair housing law uh, that uh, Fred Roberts had come up with, uh, and Byron Rumford, you know, had, um, had, uh, had been able to uh, give to the state of California. But anyway, um, State Senator Curran Price was there, Danny Tabor was there, um, the um, Bob Farrell, former city councilman, was there. But what we were able to pull off was a gathering to talk about how to increase black participation, black political participation in California. So you really think the key to increasing our cloud is to increase our participation? Just that simple? Yes, that simple. And some say we don't have the numbers anyway. It's not. And, well, we've never really had the numbers, even though, uh, you know, a lot of young people tend to think 
that Los Angeles is Chocolate City because they hang around. Because <laughs> we don't leave the neighborhood. <laughs> exactly. They stay in South Central or South L.A. or they stay around Crenshaw a lot and they think this is a microcosm of all of L.A. County and then all of California. And it's nothing like that. Uh, we have not been 10% of L.A. County in terms of population, uh, I don't think ever. But I know we are not now. You know, we are, according to the last census report, we are uh, a little over 7% of L.A. County, and we are less than, we are less than uh, 7% of the entire California population. So when Willie Brown got elected Speaker of the Assembly and when he established that not to be broken record of um, lasting as long as he did for being uh, speaker of the assembly. We only had a handful of people in the in the in the state assembly then. For African Americans, it's never been about just the numbers. Uh, in terms of politics, you either get political clout, juice, respect, and credibility because you have a lot of money and you know how to use that money wisely. You know how to use it strategically. Uh, Meg Whitman, I guess, may be an example of having a lot of money and not knowing how to use it wisely. Praise God. Um, <laughs> the, or you have numbers, you know, that you basically just think, well, we can count more than anybody else, so we'll just kind of overwhelm you, which seems to be uh, the present political agenda of the Latino population. Uh, Dr. Uh, Horn, Dr. Horn, I'm sorry. This is Avi Bernard. Hey, brother. How you doing? Hey, I'm great. How are you, man? Good, good, good. Uh, what significance do you think, if any, the the election of Kamala Harris as a, the state of attorney general will have on on the election that on the elections that we're having and on our our turnout to future elections? Uh, I think it'll have a great um, impact, but symbolic more than again about numbers. Let me let me finish that last comment that I was making, Avi, and I'll and I'll answer your question right. much more directly. The other way that you get any political clout, juice, respect is to be able to out organize people. So that it's not about just the numbers, it is about how well you use the numbers that you have. If you think about the Jewish population, for example, which is the smallest of all of us, it's smaller than Asian, Asian American, it's smaller than African American, it's smaller than Latino, it is basically down there to 2 or 3% in terms of California. But they are well organized and they get a lot of stuff done. So here's what we are talking about. Given Kamala Harris, who became not only the uh, first woman state attorney general, the first African-American female state attorney general, we've had other firsts like that. We've had uh, the, the uh, you know, black school superintendent. We've had, you know, again, Mervyn Damley as the uh, black uh, lieutenant governor. And eventually we will end up having a governor, maybe a Kamala Harris. I don't know. But those show our ability to organize well and to have candidates who appeal not just to black voters, but to voters. You know, in other words, the quality of the candidates are so strong that they just have um, cross-cultural appeal. And we will continue to do that. In fact, most of the black elected officials we have right now 
have not really been elected by the black population. They've been elected by um, broader, broader um, uh, residents or broader field of residents. So Kamala Harris being the state attorney general because she is going to do a very good job because she's going to show that she is a, an effective public official. That will encourage other African-American women to run and to get into politics. You don't just have to run to be an elected candidate to do well in politics. There are a lot of other things to do, a lot of coordination, a lot of uh, legislation you can help write, whether you're elected or not. But you, it will encourage a lot more African-American women uh, to get involved and a lot more young people to get involved. And that is her real uh, importance. She will inspire more young people to care about the political process. Definitely. I mean, I agree. I mean, but like you said, the quality of the candidates has to be high because, like you said, we don't have the numbers to just elect somebody on our own. That's right. We have to have a candidate that appeals to everybody. That's right. And and But if you went, Avi, to the uh, event that Margaret Thomas uh, did, the, he does one every year, the annual uh, event talking about the status of the uh, um, black population or the status of 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 our politics uh when they did that uh, a few weeks ago and Kamala Harris was introduced again as an elected official she gave an absolutely brilliant speech and what she did was to talk about this is what I'm going to do as a, as a public official and I'm not coming here to be timid I'm not coming here to be uh tiptoeing around issues I'm coming here to do something effective for Californians and for African-Americans. So she was careful to include all of that, and I think she's actually going to pull it off. I, so so you can, all I'm saying is you can be a very good, a quality candidate and not back away from, I'm proud to be black. I got to give my husband some props here. He's been working closely with Kamala Harris. The grid office here, gang reduction and youth development that he's director of, has been working closely with her, and she's really... Uh, looks like she's adopting some of the the things that they've been doing to take a look at doing them statewide. So, Dominique, you have a very smart husband. Ha. Well, he married me, didn't he? Guillermo Cespedes. I'm just kidding. Director of Gang Reduction and Youth Development for the City of Los Angeles. Speaking of the City of Los Angeles, Austin Butner has declared that he will run for mayor. He's been endorsed by Richard Reardon. Is it 2013 already? Why are L.A. mayoral candidates announcing before the national Republican candidates when the Republican presidential election, the national presidential election, is in 2012 and the L.A. mayor's race is not until 2013? They are doing it to raise money. They so are you're telling it me big. it's more expensive to run for mayor of L.A. than president of the United States? Uh, not not this time. It has been in the past. Really? <laughs> yeah, wow, not this time. They, they, but they, they, a lot of the candidates are really, have really decided that it is going to be about money. And and uh, and so, you know, Jan Perry and a number of other people have just said, hey, I'm, through, I'm telling you right now, you know, almost two years away from the the uh, the event that I'm going to run. Because yeah, they, I so, bet you, I bet you they're talking about ten million dollars. So officially, right now, we're talking Jan Perry, Austin Butner, who a lot of people don't know. He's like a, I guess, was the mayor's jobs guy. Right. Deputy mayor who just resigned. 
And um, we are expecting quite a few others to jump in, including Wendy Gruel, Eric Garcetti, maybe Rick Caruso, the, the uh, mall developer guy. Uh, it, it is going to be a horse race. I wonder okay. if Herb Wesson will run. Uh, well, we had all heard that he was definitely planning on that being in his future. He may not decide that this is the time. I don't know. I don't know. It's too but crowded this time around. It is very, it's going to be very, very crowded. Well, I don't think, I mean, I, I, it's two years away, so I shouldn't say anything, but I will anyway. I, Austin Butner, nobody knows who the heck he is. Uh, yeah, you say the name four he's, times now, and people he, are still trying got, to. Yeah, he, people are still got, saying, "Who is that?" He's got to take a page out of Meg Whitman's book. What? About, why? Why did the crazy Arizona governor veto the birther bill? I mean, I was just sure she was gonna, you know, go along with that. She, you know, this is this woman is clearly, you know, ultra conservative. Is she trying to? Is there? Some trickeration going on that I'm not seeing here. You know, this was what day before yesterday. Bill game came to her desk that would have uh, forced all candidates to uh, in Arizona to prove that they were citizens <laughs> before they can get their name on the ballot, including presidential candidates, by the way. Right, and and even though the the target of that uh, legislation was our um, present president. Barack Obama, mm-hmm. I think some other people came and whispered in her ear that, yeah, even though you intended to snare that particular uh, game, you're going to snare too many other people. Oh, okay, Cause, because Donald Trump's uh, birth certificate is not really verifiable and doesn't have a seal either. Like, for example, they might <laughs> accidentally not be able to put Trump on the ballot. You know, who knows, you know, Sarah uh, Palin might not have papers. We don't know. Um, uh, remember, John McCain was actually born in Panama. True enough, but that was a military base, which that's right. Means but again, that you don't even want to raise American you don't even want to raise that as an issue with some other people, even though uh, it, it. In a way, somebody whispered in our ear that this is not a wise piece of legislation. I wonder if that somebody was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Just asking. <laughs> For Arnold. <laughs> I am not a citizen, John. Do not put that on the ballot. <laughs> he would not. He we'd have to have a uh, constitutional amendment uh, uh, for for Arnold to be able to run for for president. Though. Yeah, because right. he wasn't born in the United States. That's right, Dominic. You want to take a couple calls? We always want to do that. Let's go to Karen in L.A. Karen, you're radio free on 102.3 KJLH. Hi, Karen. Uh, hi, good morning. Morning. Um, I have a question for your guest. Um, I just wanted to make a comment that I was born and raised in California, and um, I remember, yeah, I, I have to agree. I don't ever think um, the population was for African Americans was, was higher than 7%, but I was shocked to hear that it's, what, less than 4 or um Less than six percent, somewhere around there. So my question is, um, what what is first of all, what is the population breakdown for African Americans nationally? And um, I wanted to make a comment that I didn't really start getting interested in politics until um, you know Karen Bass and um, the other late Kamala Harris. Um, 
Yeah, for off is in one. Okay, so, so that's inspirational yeah. right there. That's thanks, Karen. I appreciate it. Um, the no, I didn't say four percent. We haven't fallen down quite that far yet. But the uh, the African American uh, population nationally is uh, right now twelve point nine percent of the of the uh, total American population. We've increased somewhat. So we are talking about uh, essentially uh, um, um, uh, almost 30 million folk. But what we are dealing with is California. And as beautiful as California is, and as much as uh, uh, folk are still coming into California, we are declining in population in certain places. Most of our population, for example, in California, uh, will be found in the larger urban areas, Oakland, um, uh, San Francisco, per se, uh, uh, San Diego, Los Angeles. But we are even, we've declined in population overall. Um, we are leaving Oakland for some reason. There are about 30, you know, we lost about almost uh, uh, 35,000 folk out of Oakland. And uh, Hunters Point and other places like that in San Francisco, you, it's, uh, it's, it's not even, you know, you, can't, you can barely find a black, the black population anymore. But the other problem is, even though overall we have increased in numbers in California, all of the other groups have increased too. And they've increased even more so that our overall percentage of the population in California has declined. Right now in California, according to the latest census, we are 6.4% of the California population. So it's, so it's not that we're losing people, it's that we're reproducing at a, at a We're losing lower percentage. Rate. Exactly. We're losing percentage. We're losing percentage because even if we're, our population can be going up, but if everyone else is going up even more... Our percentage goes down. However, there was that weird story in the LA Times last week about how African American and Latino population is actually going down in LA. And it can't, bucking the trends of most major cities. Right. Well, people are moving out to the suburbs, and people are moving out to, you know, just, they're still in California, they're just moving out to San Bernardino, they're moving out to Lancaster, Palmdale, you know, they're moving out of the city center because, again, there are just a lot of problems sometimes in the city center, too many helicopters, that type of thing. Uh, but, again, it's, politics is, has never just been about uh, the numbers in your population, you have to count. Learning how to count in, 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 in politics is crucial. If you only got a five-member board, you better learn how to get three votes out of the five. But this is about, again, organization. The African-American population has done very well in California politics because of its ability to organize. The problem is, while we used to have organizers falling off the trees, we used to have very, very skilled strategic planners and organizers, that is not happening now. So a lot of young people apparently have not been picking up those lessons. This is how to get this done. Honestly, I think, I mean, we can, we can look at the young people. I also think that a lot of 
older folks and medium range folks are just not doing secession planning. When Karen Bass left the Community Coalition, she had someone ready to take the reins. Yes, she did. Holly Mitchell. And while I, well, those reins, I said Community Coalition. You're oh, talking okay. about the Assembly. Okay. Yeah, she had Marquise Harris Dawson groomed and ready to take up her community organization. She had Holly Mitchell who presumably she had been mentoring politically and she and she stepped into the assembly. Now, I know we've talked about, I'm not talking about that you have to handpick your successor, but I do think we have to train people. And while I'm not planning to leave front page anytime soon, you know, one of the reasons that you always hear Abby and Talib and Jasmine is because I feel like it's part of our responsibility to make sure that the next generation of talent, leaders, organizers, or whatever is ready to go. And I, I think we fall down in that area. And Dominique, you, you just hit upon the biggest result of a Kabul conference over the weekend and um, uh, the biggest purpose uh, objective of, of this new political arrangement. We have to train our successes, our reinforcements, our, our, our replacements and some kind of way there's a big gap here so that, uh, you know, as other groups have learned how to do that and they're moving together collectively, not one, two, or three, or four organizations separately trying to get stuff done, but collectivizing, not stepping on each other's toes and moving forward and training each other. That's exactly what we have got to do now. That's what, that's what our moving forward in the future is all about. All right, we're going to go to another call. We're going to go to Jerry in Los Angeles. Jerry, it's your turn on the front page. You're radio free on 102.3 KJLA. Yeah, and just really quickly, I want to say, too, that I think, Dr. Horn, I think part of it is that people are afraid folks will take their jobs. <laughs> I really do. I don't want to get you ready because it's not your turn yet. Well, too bad. And, and no, no, and... They might take your job on Wednesday and give you a job on Friday. You are right that that has become, that's always been a problem, but that's become a bigger problem now within the African-American community so that people are hoarding information. That's a crabs in a barrel mentality that I just really would like to see us move beyond. Well, if we are going to do anything politically in the near and far future, we have to. Okay, let's go to Jerry from L.A., as uh, Avi said. Hi, Jerry. But actually, I'm Jerry from West Hollywood, and uh, that's part from, of Los Angeles. But. Hello, <laughs> I'm from the gay community, and uh, from West Hollywood. Uh, what can you do for me? And it's and technically, it's L.A., but I'm from West Hollywood. What can you do to? honor us from West Hollywood. What can who do? Why would it, I mean, why is that Dr. Horns or my job? I mean, I don't live in West Hollywood, and we got gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender people in mm -hmm. South L.A., so if I'm going to honor anybody, right. I'm honor probably going to do, why would, why would I want to, why would I, it be my job to go to West Hollywood and honor people? I'm not a citizen of West Hollywood. Well, I want to talk to him to see well, what Dr. he Dr. Horn's says. not a citizen of West Hollywood either, but go ahead, Dr. Horn. One of the decisions that we made at the conference. Excuse me? I can barely uh, hear you. Well, 
Now, can, can she hear me? Try harder. No, okay. No, okay. No. Hold on. I just put, uh, I think that's an actually um, man, and I just put Jerry on hold so that uh, he could hear you. Go ahead. Okay. One of the conclusions that we made, one of the decisions about moving forward action uh, plans uh, that we talked about at the conference was to get Cabo to start going into various community groups, uh, colleges and universities, and also just regular neighborhood district community groups, and to teach them how to organize. Now, we're not talking about whether you organize for a particular pur purpose or whether you're Republican, Democrat, whale party, green party, any kind of party. We're not talking about organizing that way. But you need to be able to, to learn how to organize anything, anytime, anywhere, anyhow, to get something politically done. Instead of just saying people are no longer organizing well, then let's go out and train people how to do that. We will even come to West Hollywood. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, Jerry, does that answer your question? <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> huh? You knew what? You, know, you just me. sound like you're on one. Let me just tell you something. When are you going to come here and honor me? <laughs> Oh, I get, I get the dial tone. Okay. <laughs> I just don't understand why is it Dr. Horn's job to come and honor you? I feel like Jerry called up here with a what with an Instagram grind like you owe me I, something. Well, it wasn't. I didn't even get that. What I got was I'm going to prove that you guys are prejudiced against the LGBT community, which we're not. But that doesn't mean I'm going to go running to West Hollywood honoring folks because that's not at the top of my agenda. Uh, sorry, Jerry. No, honor like, thyself. Like you said, I mean, we're a group. We're we have to honor everybody from from that group, not just people in West Hollywood. I mean, why why should we go over there? That's that's agreed upon. Uh, Doctor Horn, did you have any further comment, or should we go to our next call? Go to the next yeah, call. Let's keep going. Let's go to Fixico. Fixico from L.A. You're on the front page. Hey, Fixico. Mexico, you have the mic. Good morning, Dominique and Dr. Morning. Horn and Front Page family. Good morning. My question is this. Is there an identifiable cultural center of African Americans that we can uh, call on for political clout? Other than Front Page. Yeah, God Almighty? No, no, no. That's a very good question. Um, another action decision made at the conference was to identify that there are um, experts walking around California who know, uh, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 other groups that are doing stuff that are doing positive things to to uh, to help African Americans move forward. But there is not one person in the state of California who knows all of those. So we have not collectivized that networking list so that uh, you know we can access it and get all of us to move together on one particular project and really have some clout, some juice, some credibility. And if you cannot do that collectively, then people just basically ignore you. Uh, the question specifically in Southern California, uh, we are going to make sure that we produce that 
so that if if an issue, for example, comes up like immigration, if you remember the 750,000 uh, Latinos uh, are together with African-Americans and others who march downtown, uh, you know, at least we went with them the first and the second time. We didn't go with them the third time. But you remember when they pulled that off, that was because they were able to access their networking uh, connections, you know, through the uh, cable and through the phone. Well, we need to be able to do the same thing. And so what we're going to do is to collect together that information so that uh, when you ask this question two or three or four months from now, We'll be able to give you, yes, here's where you go. Right now, go to www.cobpo.org, and we'll give you more information on this. But we are going to create that. That was a good question, though, really was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and and we're, nothing against uh, West Hollywood, but we're going to go to Inglewood and talk to Stephen. Stephen, you're radio free on 102.3 KJLH. And Stephen, if you're looking for us to honor you, I'll meet you around the corner <laughs> at 930. Steven? Not at all, Dominique. <laughs> We're honoring you right now. Yeah, exactly. What's on your mind, sir? Thank you. Good morning, front page. I, I just uh, had a question. I don't know about the panel, but I'm, uh, uh, I've been in Los Angeles on the west side from, you know, years 1960. And we did have, I was a member of Sugar Robinson's uh, uh, club, boxing club. He stayed on Adams. But there were black communities all over L.A., and and I think the the bigger issue is we, we you talked about the percentage of African Americans in America, but we're twelve percent, but we're fifty five percent of the jail population. And I just feel that the root of it is the forced integration with you know slavery. And so that's my comment. And I'd just like to see how the panel can uh, elaborate on that. Thank you. Thanks, dear. You know, when I hear you say that, I think about um, G- Nikki Giovanni. I heard her speaking, and she said um, that felons who are in jail should be able to vote, which is something I agree with. I don't think there's a lot of momentum for that proposal. But And we know that, you know, when people get out of jail, many times they think that they can't vote when they really can. In California, you can't. But I I think that Nikki's got a point. Why are we disenfranchising the huge number of people? It said you committed a crime, you're doing your time. It doesn't, it shouldn't take away, I don't think it should take away your voice in the political process. I really don't. Quickly responding to the comment, he's absolutely right. The prison industrial complex has reduced the numbers of black men who are available for black women to be able to marry. It's been uh, uh, We've been able to reduce the number of uh, uh, young black men who are moving forward to go to college and to actually change this whole paradigm of the um, uh, American society. You are absolutely right about the clout of this incarceration issue. Uh, here is what we are trying to do about that politically. I mean, besides some of our members really caring about black political prisoners and individually working uh, uh, along those lines, trying to get them out. Uh, we are trying to make sure people understand what the real information is. For example, when you are in jail, in the county jail, for example, you can still vote, particularly if you have not been convicted of a crime. You are in jail awaiting um, something with the court. So you are not a convicted felon. You are you have just been arrested. You can vote. Those who have been convicted and they get into prison, 
they are still counted in the census. Right now, they're being counted in the place in which they are incarcerated. And so those areas are getting population uh, numbers, which may help them get federal funding uh, by, by counting prisoners. The other thing is that California is one of the states that says when you pay your debt to society, uh, whether you were properly convicted or not, whether you were innocent and just uh, railroaded or not, but anyway, when you are released back into our population, you can apply to get your uh, citizenship rights restored, including your voting rights, but you have to apply. Unfortunately, and let me say this last thing, Dominique, unfortunately, out of the 50 states, uh, there are about 25 of them, nearly 25 of them, where you do not get your rights back. Not only do you not get them back automatically, you don't get them back at all. Once you've been to prison, you lose your right to vote. Yeah. Um, quickly, because we are going to shift into our wellness gear here. Should Marilyn Davenport, the member of the Orange County Republican... She should resign. She should, right? She should resign. She's done that before. She's, you know, the sincere apology is nonsense. What it does is show you just how deep racism actually is. What she said was, I didn't know that this was going to be offensive. If, if that had been done... For your family or for your population, you would have known it was offensive. What do you mean you don't know that, that that's offensive? That kind of a arrogant A six-year-old kid knows that's offensive. You put yeah. a kid's face on a... Ch- yeah. Ask any first grader. Right. You put your classmate's face on a picture of a chimpanzee and send that around to all... Is that... Are you trying to make them mad? And as we understand it, there's no impeachment process. Is there for us to be able to just get her out of there without her no, having to resign? No, public pressure would get her out. Now she's going to end up resigning, but the pro- uh, she's going to end up resigning because the Republican Party, even in Orange County does not want that to become uh, uh, the issue. In other words, uh, Republican Party, you're racist because you have this person who is uh, activating uh, racist actions. Yeah, it's bad for their image. Should um, Reverend K.W. Tulis, Najee Ali, and Melvin Snell be leading a protest at her home? That's what's going to happen on the 23rd of this month. They're going to be... They're going to be picketing at her home uh, and at 11 a.m. No, un- well, it's not for me to say who should or should not be doing something, but uh, unfortunately for our own, our own community, we have some um, uh, bad examples of our community leaping to protect our community. Sometimes people should stay home and keep quiet. Really? But uh, how is that public pressure going to come to bear and get it forced her to resign if we stay home and keep quiet? (laughs) That kind of public pressure is not going to cause her to resign anyway. It's going to become a circus. I would think maybe we should protest, like, at the Republican Party headquarters. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. We need to write letters. We need to email. We need to call. There are other forms of public pressure other than trying to go out and get the news news cameras. you remember, uh, what's his name, Terry Jones, uh, uh, the strange yeah. um, minister who said... My pro- okay. in his church. Well, sometimes people look, they're publicity hounds. They're looking for uh, a reason to get back out front. And sometimes uh, they need to ask, do you want me to go out and help you and save you before you leap out to just help me without asking me, okay? Uh, the black community is not, is not sending these folk out there. They haven't talked to anybody. Uh, they, uh, they are not our champions, in other words. 
And we have a problem with that. We have too many publicity seekers and not enough people who are willing to to do the strategic work. There are other ways to protest, to put that public pressure, to get Mrs. Davenport to resign. She has no business being a public official. Like, like you said, she's done this before. Yeah, and, done uh, you know, She actually defended somebody, the guy who, who made the mural about the watermelon patch in front of the White House. That's President. right. Man, so she defended that person. So like you said, she needs to be gone. And, I, and, and, and again, then she said, well, I didn't know that people would be insulted. This is the same excuse she used before. Yeah, well, if you're that ignorant, you don't need to be in public office. We call it the arrogant ignorant. Uh, we have, uh, we got to get going, man. We got new folks calling in that want to talk to you, but uh, hopefully we'll be, we'll have you back on again soon. Dr. David Horn, thank you so much for being with us today. Anytime, anytime, and for the front page family, stay informed, stay sharp, move forward. We must take care of ourselves. We are the only ones who can save us.